Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Encouragement Expert Podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Let's join Pastor Wes Doffenbaugh as he gives us an encouraging word titled, Divine Healing. Praise the Lord. It's a delight to be with you today. I love each one of you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Let's say a prayer together. Father, we pray your Holy Spirit will come and be our teacher and make these things uh, really real to us. Help us retain them deep in our hearts that we might bring you glory and help a lot of people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The message is entitled Divine Healing. Now, my introduction is this. God likes to heal people using us. I'm going to help you have faith to receive healing, but I also want to help you uh, have faith to administer healing in Jesus' name to others. Now, back in 1972, I was out of Bible college. I was working in a veneer mill, which is veneer is what you make plywood out of, and uh, on this conveyor belt called a green chain, which moves real fast and different widths of veneer come down. You have to grab them and fling them into the carts. Well, the man up the green chain from me injured his wrist and was off two weeks, and he came back with a big bandage on his wrist and immediately injured his other wrist in the same way. And so uh, I saw him trying to pull veneer with one hand, and I asked him what was wrong, and he said, oh, I've injured this wrist. It feels just like this one did when I injured it. Now, I've been off two weeks without pay to get this one treated, and if I take two weeks off without pay to get this one treated, I'm going to go broke. But if I pull veneer with one hand, I'm going to be fired. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I'm either going to go broke or get fired. And And I went back to my position and I was just thinking, poor Larry. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me. Now, when I say God spoke to me, I don't just wear that phrase out. So I mean, this really happened. The Holy Spirit said to me, go tell that man everything you know about divine healing. Now, in between the logs that they made the veneer out of, there'd be about a two-minute pause. And so I'd run up to his position and uh, and tell him, you know, everything I could think of about divine healing. Then I'd have to run back and pull the veneer. And so this went on for two hours. The foreman stayed out of the room and didn't catch him pulling with one hand. (laughs) Uh, But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me again and said, how long are you going to let that man suffer? Well, I realized then that if I didn't pray for him to be healed, God was going to be really offended at my doubt and unbelief. So I went up to him then and I said, Larry, I believe God wants me to pray for your wrist to be healed. And he said, well, a good prayer never hurt nothing. And I laid my hand on his wrist and I said, oh, Father, fix this wrist in Jesus' name. Now the veneer was coming down and I had to immediately go back to my position. So I said not one word more than that. And I didn't feel any special anointing. So then the thoughts bombarded me, and I'm sure it was some little demon or the devil himself was saying, you stupid idiot, you didn't have enough faith for that. You made a fool out of yourself. You know, these thoughts were just bombarding me. And it's like, he'll never, you know, he didn't get healed. Now he'll never become a Christian. He'll think there's nothing to this. You were really stupid. You really blew it. So I just pulled veneer for two hours and didn't dare even look up there at him. And uh, after two hours, I peeked, and he was flinging the veneer with both hands. 
Well, then I ran up to him at the next opportunity and I asked him what happened. He said, well, he said, it's just amazing. I feel an invisible bandage on this wrist you prayed for and it feels just like the one the doctor put on. I can feel it, but I can't see it. And all the pain's almost all gone. And I'm just absolutely amazed. And I asked him to come to church with me and he did that Sunday. Him and his wife accepted Christ at a local church. Now, my point in telling you that is, why didn't God just heal him himself? Why didn't God speak and say, Larry, you know, Jesus is the healer and I'm wanting to heal you and et cetera, et cetera. Why did God say to me, uh, go tell that man everything you know about divine healing and how long are you going to let him suffer? Why did God... Well, you know, I don't honestly know why God wants to work through us. There's probably a whole bunch of reasons, but he does. Now, take that to heart because that means he will want to work through you. And, you know, the Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. So, in other words, if you believe that Jesus is God in human form and that he died for your sins and rose from the dead, then you're a believer. And one of the signs that will follow you is that you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, why God wants to do that through people, I I can't, uh, well, that's not part of my sermon. I don't actually know. I just know that he wants to heal people using plain old people like us. And I had no special anointing, you see, but I, I had the name of Jesus. Now, my first point is find out if it's God's will to heal you. Uh, a lot of people will say, uh, well, I know God could heal me. I know God could heal me. And that sounds like faith to them, but that's preliminary to faith. That's not the kind of faith that receives anything. And I say that real kindly to you, but you need to understand. Real faith that receives always knows God's will uh, because you, you know God. You believe God. And uh, if you don't know his will and you're saying, well, I hope he'll do it, then you need to seek him earnestly until you find out what his will is. And then you need to claim whatever he names. So uh, if it, it was, does he want to save me? Does he want to heal me? Does he want to set me free from oppression? Does he want to baptize me in the Holy Spirit? Well, if you don't know those things, then you must earnestly seek him until his will is revealed to you. And so I, I want to help you here now. Never pray for faith. What you want to pray for is to be filled with the knowledge of God's will because that's how faith comes. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why would faith come by hearing the word of God? Because it would reveal God's will. And so when God reveals his will, he serves you the faith on a platter. Now, he still can't force you to take it. Uh, because, you know, in the Old Testament, he revealed his will that he would send hornets uh, ahead of the people into the land of Canaan and drive out those giants. And they, they, God announced his will to all the people, but, but only a few people believed him. But the point is, if you want faith, you've got to know God's will. And so this is one of the main reasons people don't receive from God is because they're not making enough effort. They're stopping at the point, well, I know God could. Okay, well, don't stop there. Find out if he wants to. So when the leper came down, uh, Jesus came down from the mountain after the Sermon on the Mount, the leper that met him said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, see, he, 
he knew that Jesus could, but he didn't know he was willing until Jesus said, I am willing. And as soon as he said, I'm willing, faith just rushed into that leper's heart. And when Jesus touched him, uh, the leprosy vanished from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet because he was covered in leprosy. And so the Bible tells us in Ephesians, live as children of the light for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. Find out what pleases the Lord. Would it please God to heal you? Now, another verse in Colossians, which is, you know, real close to Ephesians in the Bible, says, uh, Colossians 1, 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually Ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Now, why would Paul continually pray that they'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will? Because that would generate the faith. That would literally serve them faith on a platter. They'd be able to receive anything from God if they were filled with the knowledge of God's will. All right? So that's what you've got to, uh, you've got to completely abandon that uh, phrase, I know God could. And you've got to decide, does he want to? And uh, and then when you believe the revelation of God's will, you'll be able to receive anything that God has for you. Now, I want to give you some verses that will reveal God's will to heal you. Psalms 103, 1 through 5 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Well, do you have a disease? Is your uh, strength gone? You feel like old and worn out? You need your youth renewed like the eagles? There's a verse that will give you faith. Now, Matthew 8:16 says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. That's a quote from Isaiah 53:4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Then in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, the whipping post, Jesus was brutally whipped and lost a lot of blood right there, so that he was very weak then and could not carry the cross all the way to Golgotha, you know, the place of the skull where they crucified him. Uh, they had to grab a man from Africa and uh, they grabbed him and made him carry the cross. My point was, God allowed the devil to lay stripes on the back of Jesus, but God reserved the right to turn everyone into a stream of healing. And you can believe that he has. And and when uh, you wonder why God allowed certain things to go wrong in your life, and that people treat you so bad. Remember, he, he may be doing the same thing, that he might allow some uh, whip stripe, so to speak, to come on you, some kind of suffering, but then God reserves the right to, to, uh, to turn those into streams of healing 
Turn your stripes into streams of healing. Well, he did that for Jesus. That should give you faith that God uh, definitely wants to heal you. He doesn't want to waste one drop of the blood of Jesus. Matthew 4.24 Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And then Matthew 12.15 And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Well, if doesn't that start giving you faith? He healed them all. He didn't find uh, someone who said, you're a mean old ornery boogerhead, you. I'm not going to heal you. He healed them all. All right, Luke 4:40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Luke 6:19 and the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all. <laughs> well, what a wonderful thing when power, you know, a few times in my life I've felt the Holy Spirit's power literally jump out of me like a current. And uh, and uh, imagine then the people seeking to touch him and just just the love of God, the anointing of God, the power to heal, just jumping out, healing people. That just shows how eager God is. Uh, to uh, to heal those who come to Jesus. Luke 6, 19, And the whole multitude sought to touch him. I think I already read that. And power went out from him and healed them all. All right, then James 5, 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, uh, I will be teaching you in this sermon that if you have strong negative emotions, that you ought to tell the person praying for you about that. And and that would be a way of confessing your sins uh, so that you could receive healing. Because a lot of times uh, the strong negative emotion is what's causing the disruption in your body. And uh, God will always deal with the root. Well, we'll be getting to that in this sermon. But that's a scripture there that uh, we'll, you'll want to remember. Uh, call for the elders of the church. Have them anoint you with oil. If you've got some strong negative emotion, if you've been in some type of uh, sin, tell them about it. You'll be forgiven, and then you'll get healed. Now, my second point is I want to help you move from doubt to faith, and the way to do that is to say this. God is so good, he probably wants to heal me. Now, I was born without arches in my feet, and I could put the bottoms of my feet together, and no daylight would shine through. A wet footprint of mine had no arch. It looked like a sandal print. Now, in my 20s, then I got terrible pain in my feet, and they would inflame, and they'd start coming out of joint. I can remember uh, walking across a carpeted floor barefoot and having my feet just pop like popcorn as the bones just came out of joint. So very often at night, I would get up and uh, uh, put ice cubes in a pan and stick my feet in the ice water or just massage the bottom of my feet with ice uh, to make the terrible pain stop. And if I sat in a hot tub, I'd have to elevate my feet out of the water. I couldn't stand any hot uh, thing to touch my feet. Even a car heater blowing on my feet in the winter 
would inflame them in agonizing pain. So I wore Thomas heels, and uh, that's a special kind of heel with part of the heel juts out into the arch. I had three-eighths inch scaphoid pads in my shoes to uh, be arch supports. I'd stand on my tiptoes a lot uh, to strengthen the muscles on the bottom of my feet. And during those years, I walked, I probably walked hundreds of miles signing up kids to ride buses. I spent a lot of time out in the street. And during those years, I believe that I signed up about 5,000 children personally to ride buses. So I didn't use my feet as an excuse. But after that, I pioneered a church and God helped us get that church started. And he'd done enough stuff for me over those first uh, eight years of ministry that one day I said, God, you're so good. I think you probably want to heal my feet, but I think my unbelief is hindering you. Now, remember, unbelief can hinder because uh, at the hometown of Jesus, where they didn't believe in him, it said he could there do no mighty work. He only laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, but no big mighty miracles happened because of their unbelief. So I started saying, Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. I don't want to have any doubt or unbelief or worry or anxiety. And I started uh, repenting for the sins of my fathers, my father, my grandfather. I figured whatever unbelief they had, I would I would repent of it all and say, God, I don't want anything to do with this. Now, that went on for about a year, and one night, uh, on a Sunday night, uh, I had a lady prophetess evangelist speaking, and at the close of the service, she said, someone is here, and you were born without arches in your feet, and if you'll come forward, God will put arches in your feet. Now, that was a revelation of God's will through a gift of the Spirit. Well, a lady jumped up before I could get up, and so this voice in my mind said, that's her, not you. Well, we know where that little thought came from, right? Uh, but the lady preacher immediately said to uh, said there may be more than one, so if there's more than one, you come, because God will do it for all of you. And so I went ahead and went forward. Now, as I was going forward, this voice said again, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith for this. And just then the lady evangelist said, these are not just faith healings. These are I love you healings. And I grabbed onto that. And so when I when she began to hold my feet and pray for them and said, arches in the name of Jesus, and she was repeating that, I was saying, I believe you love me, God. I believe you love me. I believe you love me. Now, after a while, she said, okay, take your shoes off and look at your feet. Now, I didn't feel anything go into my feet. Uh, but you know what? God had bent my feet and put arches in them. Now, then I could put the bottoms of my feet together, and there was about uh, three quarters to an inch of daylight. They weren't the greatest, biggest arches in the world, but they were way more than I ever had before. So I went home, and I had never seen a footprint of mine in water, you know, that would that would have an arch in it. So I went to the bathroom, I got my foot wet and I made a footprint. And sure enough, there was an arch in the footprint. First time ever. I remember pulling the, putting the toilet lid down and I pulled a fuzzy cover off it so I could use the lid like a frame. And I put a, a, a wet footprint right up there on top of that. And it was just like it was framed in a picture. So I was so happy. I made footprints down the bathroom wall. And, uh, and then we went on vacation and I took my 40 pound daughter at the time and carried her around on concrete at Disney World in Florida for three days and didn't have any f foot pain. Now, previously, if I'd walk an hour 
you know, I'd start feeling shin splints come come up. And uh, if I walked on hard surfaces, I'd pay the price. Well, I walked three days, not only that, but carrying my daughter a lot of the time and had no uh, no, uh, no pain. So after all these years, you know, that was, I believe it was 1982 when that happened. And uh, I can let the heat uh, of a car heater blow on my feet. I can sit in a hot tub without elevating my feet out. And uh, what a marvelous, wonderful thing. Now, the reason I told you that uh, miracle healing <clears throat> is because I think it's a great idea to start doubting your doubts. Does that make sense? So when we say, God, you're so good, I think you probably want to do it. Now what are we doubting? We're not doubting God. We're doubting our doubts. All right. Well, that will help you move towards faith as you repent of unbelief and worry and fear and and, and those type of negative things. All right. Now... Uh, we've got to learn to hate unbelief, hate worry, hate fear, hate anxiety, hate depression. And we've got to look to the Lord's goodness. Now, remember when Moses was leading the nation of Israel into, they were in the wilderness on their way to Canaan, but the people were so sinful that God sent fiery, poisonous serpents among them, and the people were dying as they got bit by these serpents. So God told Moses to make a brass serpent and put it on a pole and then to lift that up and that anyone who had was bitten could look at that brass serpent on the pole and they'd be healed. Well, that was a marvelous way to get people healed. But you see, it's a type of Jesus nailing our sins to the cross. All right. He wasn't a serpent, but our sins were crucified. Right. And he crucified our sins on the cross. He became our sin offering. And so when we looked at Jesus... And what he did on the cross, we see God's goodness, mercy, and love. And, friend, we need to really look to God's goodness and say, God, you're so good. You probably want to do it. Pretty soon we'll say, God, I know you want to do it. I know you want to do it. And then we're we're ready to receive. Now, my third point is divine health is better than divine healing. And I was going to speak at a men's breakfast one morning in Silver City, New Mexico, and I happened to be sitting beside the youth pastor who was telling me about his health routines. He was taking vitamins and minerals and probiotics, and, and, and oh, he just had a big, long exercise routine and many, many different supplements. And after a while, I said, well, I take fish oil and a few vitamins, and I try to walk a lot, but, but my main health principle is not to hate anybody, not to be bitter or critical or unforgiving or judgmental. And I said to him, now remember that the ancient Israelites were eating manna that fell out of heaven. You know, it was the, called the bread of angels. It had every vitamin, protein, trace mineral, prebiotic. You know, it had everything the human body needed. And yet, all the people were dying prematurely during that 40-year period. Well, that's because they were doubt, pout, and go without type people. They were grumblers, complainers. They lived in strife. They were constantly criticizing and being jealous and hating other people. And so I quoted that young man this verse, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Now, envy is a very strong negative emotion. And, it, and, and you see, it, the Bible is telling us that strong negative emotions will affect your body. Envy will rot your bones. 
All right. Now, uh, envy was the motive that was in the chief priests and scribes. Pilate said that he, you know, the Bible says he knew that they handed Jesus over out of envy. So think of how evil envy with that the main uh, motivation that crucified Christ. So anyway, I was telling him my main principle was to live a life of love. And, and the Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 to be imitators of God, live a life of love as dearly beloved children. Uh, he got real quiet because he hated his father. Now, his father had abused him and neglected him. Uh, but that's no reason to live in hate. And if you live in hate and bitterness and unforgiveness, that's going to manifest somehow in your body. And it isn't going to be good. A heart at peace gives life to the body. That's what you want. You want divine health. All right. Well, that's going to come. Divine health has a whole lot to do with walking in love and getting rid of anger, jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness, grumbling, unbelief, complaining, strife, accusing, judging. All of those are very bad for your health. And uh, doctors have written many, many articles and books on the effects of stress and believe that most diseases are stress-related. Now, they're not saying negative emotions, or they're not, uh, but I am. <laughs> all right, uh, stress is, uh, you know, you can be in all kinds of external stresses and still have a heart at peace, giving life to your body. It's those internal stresses, uh, those uh, really negative emotions that tear us up. Now, that may be one reason why I heard of a man uh, he was supposed to be the oldest man in the world, and he was 141 years old, and he lived in India, and he smoked a cigarette every day. Now, you say, how could he live so old and smoke cigarettes? And I read an article about a lady that was 112 years old in the United States. They asked the secret of her health, and she said that she ate fried chicken and Twinkies every day. Well, my opinion is that those people were living long because they most likely had unusually calm inner peace. They weren't judging. They weren't hating. They weren't in envy. They weren't in strife. They just must have been very mellow in their emotions. And so even though they were you know, doing something that would damage your body, it was offset by the, the, by the calmness, a heart at peace, gives life to the body. Well, I I think we should avoid <laughs> a diet of you know, certainly avoid cigarettes and and you you want to eat fried chicken once in a while but not all the time and you know what I mean, we got to be wise in our diet, but the Bible says in Job 5:2 resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. So there's another verse telling you that negative emotions, you know, will tear up your health. And so divine health is better than divine healing. It's better not to get sick. Now, my fourth point is God likes to go for the root of the problem. And I remember one time in Texas, I was praying for people to be healed and uh, praying for whatever they wanted. But one young Hispanic woman cried Oh, pray for me. She said, my heart is malfunctioning so bad. They might have to do some kind of heart surgery and my intestines are so inflamed. The doctors think I have Crohn's disease. Now, I could feel a fiery, tangible anointing in my hands. And so I said to the young lady, put your hand over your heart. And I modestly put my hand on top of her hand. 
to see if anointing would go into her heart. It was burning in my hand, but it wouldn't go into her heart. And so I said, put your hand on your intestines. And she laid her hand down on her intestines. And I modestly put my hand on top of her hand to see if anointing would go in to heal her intestines. But the anointing wouldn't go in at all. Then I put my hand on top of her head and a current of anointing ran down my arm into her head. I mean, just anointing rushed into her head. And that was a form of the word of knowledge. Uh, now, that you may be have never heard of God giving you knowledge that way, but but he does in my life and ministry. That's one of the ways that he manifests the word of knowledge is, you know, by the way the anointing will go in. I knew that the source of the problem was not her heart, wasn't her intestines. And I said to her, is someone verbally abusing you? And she just exploded in tears and told me how, how mean her husband was and how he was always telling her she was bad. And and I gave her some counsel about uh, t- telling God that you'll take all the correction you can possibly get from God and thank him for it. But that when the devil speaks through her husband or through anybody else, and it's the condemning rundown stuff that pushes you away from God, I told her, you, you must not uh, absorb that or listen to it. That's their problem. They have a problem. And so, you know, then I prayed for her. Now, the next night... She had got along with that guy for one day, and it was such a miraculous day of getting along with him that she got that microphone and testified for 20 solid minutes. I didn't know if I was going to get to preach. (laughs) Now, notice, you see, if she'd have gone to a medical doctor, and I'm not against medical doctors, but they are at a disadvantage when it comes to dealing with negative emotions, Um even though a lot of the doctors would say, well, you have negative emotion of depression, we'll give you a pill. Well, a pill isn't going to deal with the, with the sinful emotions. You know, it's going to make you numb, but it's not going to deal with the root. And many people then have, a, you might have high blood pressure from just stress. Your whole body's tensed up and your arteries are tensed up. Well, they're going to give you something to try to deal with the high blood pressure, but nothing to deal with that source. But God doesn't work that way. So if you're going to minister healing, you've got to be aware that there very well could be a root problem. And so I tell people, now I'm going to pray for you to be healed, but if you have some strong negative emotion, you better tell me. Because, you know, God's not like a gardener that would just go out and pull a leaf off of a off of an old uh, prickly thistle. No, he would pull the thing up by the root and he'd get the whole thing. And that's the way he deals, uh, you know, with people's problems. But medical, uh, the medical world very typically is looking for something pill or medicine that will stop the symptoms and then many times they have a bad side effect and you know that but this is what you need to know when you go to God for healing tell God Lord if there's a root somewhere that I am letting something come in and I don't know about it please make it known to me I'll cooperate with you and when you're ministering to pray for somebody else constantly be looking to the Holy Spirit saying Lord if the if there's a root. Now I'll tell you a, a fresh illustration. I was at a church service recently and a, a young man said, well, I said, what are you asking God for? And he said, well, I got this terrible pains in, in my knees and, and my elbows are starting in my elbows. And the doctors are, uh, they don't really know what's causing it. 
but it's just so bad that they're they're trying to figure out what to do. And I said, uh, well, do you have any strong negative emotions? He says, well, I've, I've, I'm very concerned about what people think about me. And that gives me a lot of anxiety. I'm always in anxiety, I'm worried about what people think of me. Now, I just quickly told the young man, I said, well, you're a good person if you love them. You're not a good person if they love you. So you need to turn that around. And I told him, when I'm in front of a crowd, I never wonder how, what they think of me. I concentrate on thinking how much I love them. And I said, so turn that around. now." And then I told him about how one day the arrow of self-focus was on me and I was thinking I was a zero. I said, you don't want the arrow up on 10 where I think I'm the grandest tiger in the jungle. Where would you like the arrow to be? And the Lord spoke to me and said, turn that arrow around and focus on me. And so I told him, see, this low self-esteem has got the arrow focused on you, but that's actually a form of pride. I told him it doesn't look like pride, but that's what it is because the arrow's focused on you and not on the Lord. Now you decide you're going to turn that around, focus on the Lord, and instead of worrying about what people think about you, you're going to ask God to give you love for them. And then, of course, I prayed for him to be healed. Now, I believe that we got to the root of his problem. That anxiety was causing uh, his very, you know, the Bible says envy rots the bones. Well, Something was uh, affecting his joints, and he was just a young man, you know, probably just early 20s. Okay, well, uh, now, I I remember in Burley, Idaho, a a lady said to me, uh, cast a demon of gluttony out of me, she said. And I felt checked, and I said, do you have some strong negative emotions? She said, my son died eight years ago, and I've been overeating ever since he died. Well, then I began to pray something into her, and I prayed, Dear Lord, please give her a crown of beauty for ashes, give her the oil of joy instead of mourning, and give her the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now, the power of God began to flash in my right foot, like 20,000 volts of electricity. There was a prophecy way back in the 1980s that God was going to put word of knowledge in my hands and in my feet, and and this is how it operates. The anointing in my foot was just like flashing, that's it, that's it, that's it. And I, and I put my foot on her and on her foot and the power of God shot into her, knocked her to the floor and she burst out in holy laughter. That the, the, her problem was sorrow, not gluttony, see. And uh, she didn't know, but the Holy Spirit knew. And so when she got up, she showed the pastor her shoe and the, her top of her shoe was melted where that bolt of holy fire uh, came into her and God literally gave her a sign to remember that uh, that she didn't have a gluttony problem <laughs> that uh, that it was sorrow and uh, and anyway I was it was a delightful thing to be used that way uh, lately I've been saying Lord it's so delightful to be used by your Holy Spirit but I want to love the people more than I love the adventure of, and and the excitement of being used in the gifts of the Spirit. And th- I think that's a great prayer for any of you to pray. All right, if I made my point, there are root causes of a lot of things. Now, my fifth point, unforgiveness and its cousins are common roots. 
When I was 23 is when the Lord taught me, you know, I said, I haven't forgiven him, Lord, because he hasn't repented. And God said, you're like a man that went down to the beach, a seagull flew over his head and had a bowel movement that landed on his nose. And he said, you dirty bird, you, I'm going to leave this right here till you come back and wipe it off. And then God said, bitterness is showing on your face and you can't hide it. I said, well, how do I get it off? He said, forgive him before he asks. Now, in Luke 17, 3, that's where the if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And then and it goes on to say if he if he sins seven times a day, you know, and he keeps coming back, you got to keep forgiving him. But in that scripture, Jesus is saying, forgive him if he asks forgiveness. So I had quoted that to the Lord and said, that's why I haven't forgiven him. He hasn't repented. But then in Mark 11:25 it says, And when you stand praying, if you have aught against any, forgive him, so that your Heavenly Father can forgive you. Now, you're just off praying, and he's not there repenting. In other words, you can forgive people even if they don't ask, because in my experience, most people are like the bird, and they aren't coming back to ask forgiveness, so you don't want to wear bitterness on your face. Now, that started me off learning about forgiveness that later, you know, I wrote a whole chapter in The Heart God Hears on forgiveness. Later, it became a whole book called 21 Ways to Forgive. We're, we're just on the verge of getting that in Spanish. The translation is done. The typeset is done. The cover redesign is all done. Now we're just, uh, you know, looking for donations to give us the money to print it. But uh, in my point here now is that uh, this is a common root of all kinds of physical afflictions, unforgiveness. So I was in Michigan a few years ago, and I met a lady who said she had a demon in her body. And she said, I can feel it moving around, and then it'll poke me and torment me. And when it pokes me, then I bleed out of my colon. And her and her husband had, were, were pillars in the church. They were very important uh, spiritual people. But here she had a demon inside and they couldn't get rid of the demon. Well, I taught on forgiveness and did that illustrated sermon, 21 Ways to Forgive. Now, unbeknownst to me, this woman hated her mother-in-law. Her dad had gotten remarried late in life and this new wife put him in a nursing home and moved him from Michigan to Florida where none of his children or any of his friends could visit him. And so this woman, this Christian woman, hated uh, that mother-in-law for doing that to her dad. Well, you know, that opened the door for the devil to come in and oppress her. Now, she just forgave that woman by listening to the teaching. That helped her forgive. And then I prayed for her the next day to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came in and just flushed that thing out. And she felt it leave. And we never had to bind it or yell at it or scream at it or have any kooky manifestation. Now, Jesus said, you know, that uh, when you bind a strong man, you would take away the armor that he trusts in. This is in the book of Luke. And then you can plunder his house. Well, the armor the devil trusts in is when people want a certain sin. And then that gives the devil a legal right to oppress them because they want a certain sin. And so you have to you have to get rid of the armor that the devil trusts in and get them to repent. And in this case, uh, the devil's armor was taken away when she repented of her hatred and unforgiveness. All right, now that's another example of God going after the root problem. 
So I really like, uh, if, if I just minister healing and all people do is get healed, I know that eventually they'll die anyway. So I really like the part of healing that goes after root causes. Now, I've been used more than anything to heal people with bones, uh, torn rotor, rotator cuffs very often and uh, knee uh, things. And uh, and I don't know if there's any root problem, you know, in, in a lot of the bone issues. Uh, I think maybe they're just accidents and in any way. It's it's great to get people healed. I feel like it's even greater when their spirits are healed, their minds are healed, and then that manifests healing in their bodies. All right, now my sixth point is is there are tangible anointings of holy fire, spiritual gifts that God will give us to help us minister. It's just that when we get some power gift like that, to whom much is given, much is required, and it's absolutely vital that we keep on the garment of humility and give God all the glory and not get to thinking that uh, it's all these miracles are happening because we're special. They happen because Jesus is special and the Holy Spirit is glorifying Jesus. Now, in 1991, I had been repenting of a lack of power and I'd been praying that God would give me power to deliver people from demonic oppression and one day that came into my right hand like a fire and then it ran up my arm and then to my great joy it went into my left hand and ran up my left arm as well and then it went into my feet and I'd feel it run up uh, fire running up to my knees now after all these years I'll get up in the morning I like to go to bed at 8 or 9 o'clock and then get up between 4 and 5 and as I just sit in the chair and have some coffee and start reading the Bible I'll feel holy fire all through my shoulders my arms all down through my chest and I don't know that that means that I'm uh, you know somebody special that I'm really right with God I just think it has something to do with his holy presence (laughs) and I want to be able to abide in his presence but the point is God can give you real powerful anointings the only danger there is that over the years so many people have been used in the power gifts then they get to thinking that they're more spiritual and they get prideful about it and take some of the glory and then they end up being destroyed well I had to learn to go through an adjustment time because when God gave me that, then people began to get delivered of all kinds of things. But I got so excited and zealous that I majored on warfare and I minored on revealing Christ. And I majored on, uh, well, what the Lord taught me was, I got to say it right, major on worship, minor on warfare. And I had that mixed around. And then uh, major on revealing Christ and minor on exposing the devil. And so the Lord taught me that even if the book, you wrote a book and it was all about exposing the devil, if it was more than 51% about uh, exposing the devil, even if it was true, it would work for the devil. And so I think sometimes when I'm listening to talk shows and, and and the talk shows are conservative, but all they do is expose the work of the devil that's going on in the political realm. It makes me wonder if it's actually working 
for the devil because there's almost nothing about God or what's good going on. And so we've got to be careful that we don't just feed on something that is a constant exposing of the devil. Now, I like conservative talk shows, and I'm glad that somebody has to, you know, expose that stuff. But uh, I'm glad it's not me. All right. Now, the anointing God gave me was for deliverance, healing, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it would also act like a word of knowledge by the way it would flow into people or not into people. And I've already given you a couple of examples. Now, the most common healings that I've experienced would be bones in shoulders, backs, hips, feet. And maybe there's a special gift for the healing of bones. Or maybe the the bones are more commonly healed because there may not be a mysterious root cause. Uh, Some of the other things I've been used in, just recently a lady was healed of a hernia in one of my meetings. That made me glad because I hadn't been used in that before. One lady said, uh, I'm blind. I want God to heal my blind eye. And she said, "It's I'm legally blind. She said, it's crooked. And it's been crooked since I was born. They tried to correct it with surgery when I was three, but the surgery failed. And when I put my hand on her eye, a current ran down my right arm into her. And uh, I took my hand off and her eye had been straightened. And she began to shout and praise God that she had depth perception And two weeks later, she sent me a a clipping from a newspaper, and she said, I prayed for 20 years that God would heal my crooked eye before I had a a wedding picture, you know, put in the paper, the engagement announcement. Wasn't that special? Well, then I remember one time in Colorado where this guy grabbed my hand and uh, held it on his chest, and I pulled away and when I finally pulled away he fell face down on the steps of the platform and I prayed down that long line of people and I came back walking on those steps and he saw my feet and grabbed my feet and then I couldn't move and so I bent over and put my hand on his back and said father I don't know what this man needs but he reminds me of that little widow who pressed through the crowd to touch you so whatever he needs please do it for him in Jesus name now a lot of miracles just happen in Jesus name I didn't feel any special power go into him, but he had polio when he was three, and now he was 43. So for 40 years, he had a paralyzed left leg and couldn't lift that leg. He would step forward on his right foot and drag his left foot up, and then he'd take another step forward with his right foot and drag his left leg. But he didn't leave the altar that way. He was squatting. He was running around. It was All the paralysis was instantly, miraculously healed. Well, now, when we're experiencing the power of God like that, we've got to be very careful to give God all the glory and then not only give him all the glory, but it can be so exciting that we start looking forward to the excitement of it rather than uh, the the love of the people. And so God wants to keep it pure, keep us pure. And uh, you tell God, I, I, I want to be used by your power. I really want to give you all the glory. And I want to be more in love with the people and delighted that they got help than I want to be uh, just an adventurist, you know, uh, reveling in how unique the gifts of the Spirit are. Now, my seventh point is it's very important that we desire for Jesus to be glorified. And I believe this is the big why of divine healing. 
the Apostle James wrote, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James 4, 2 and 3. Well, there is a right motive. And that motive is that you want to pray whatever you're praying for, that God might be glorified through it. And uh, Paul wrote, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, <laughs> whether by life or whether by death. Well, I believe, you know, he, he didn't die of a disease. He, he died a martyr's death. He was uh, beheaded, as far as I know. And... Uh, Christ was exalted right up to the very last day. And he was exalted in his life and exalted in his death. Now, that's what we should pray. And Paul had also written, he said, if I go on living in the body, it will mean fruitful labor for me. And uh, so that's what we want to do. We want to say, Lord, I'd like to be healed so I could live a long time and, and just bring you massive glory and help a lot of people and and that's why I'm asking to be healed, Lord, and to be strengthened, to have my youth renewed like the eagles. I want to bring you glory. Now, I just think that's a marvelous motive to have. And you might remember that Jesus healed one man who was laying by that pool, and the angel would come stir the water, and then the first person in would get healed, but only one. And he didn't have anybody to put him in the pool. So Jesus healed him. But later he found him in the temple and he said, now stop sinning or something worse may come to you. So you see, he got his miracle, but he was using all of his healing to just go out and party again and, <laughs> you know, gratify the flesh. Well, uh, you want to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to heal me and strengthen me and let me live so I can serve you, so I can do your will, so I can help people. Let's get our motive right. It's going to make a big difference when we pray from the right motive. Now, here's another thing. When you're ministering healing, remember the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus and the Father wants to glorify Jesus. And this is one of the main reasons miracles happen is because the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus. Now, Jesus said in John 8, 15, 8, chapter 8, verse 50, I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Now, notice he's talking about the Father is seeking glory for Jesus. And then the Bible says, as they went along, they saw a man blind from birth. His disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened so that the work of God, the works of God might be displayed in his life. Now notice when God looks at your problem, it looks like a display case for the glory of God. And uh, and that's the way you need to be thinking. I said, Lord, I want my healing to bring you glory. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, you should see a lot of people in doubt and unbelief will say, well, I think God is getting glory because I'm so sick and I'm so miserable and I'm so... Well, we don't have any examples of that that I can think of. Uh, God is glorified a whole lot more when people get healed. So don't let some old lying devil tell you that uh, you're suffering for God's glory when it's when it's some disease. If you were suffering persecution, then then that would be different. But uh, don't don't let uh, don't let unbelief uh, tell you 
that you're suffering for God's glory. Get healed for God's glory. Now say a good amen out there. Get healed for God's glory. Get healthy for God's glory. And desire a long life full of strength so that you can bring glory to God. Now that's gonna, you're gonna have a pure motive and that's a good deal. Now when I minister healing to people, I'm always thinking the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus. And then when the miracles happen, I don't say, well, the miracles happened because the Holy Spirit was glorifying Wes. No. I know the Holy Spirit did the miracle to glorify the name of Jesus. And we must never, ever forget that. Now, remember this. God wants to work through his people and not just through one or two. And often, uh, you know, back in the 50s, there was a big healing revival, but only a few had the gift of healing and almost in almost every single one corrupted and started using it as if they were the superstar and the biggest, most important one and, and pride came in and, and most of them were ruined. And, and I believe a lot of them probably went to hell. Uh, now, we don't ever want to join that great crowd of preachers in hell. <laughs> Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and perform preaching your name, prophesy, do many great and mighty works? He'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I don't, I don't, I never knew you. And anymore. he will have forgotten them. All right, that's, that's how we can turn and be corrupted if we take the glory and uh, if we start manipulating, uh, using the gifts of the Spirit to manipulate money out of people or something else out of people. All right, now, the Lord doesn't want to use just a few people it's dangerous for them. The Lord wants to use us all. And every believer, these signs will follow those who believe. So you need to start thinking, you know, God wants to use me to minister healing. All right. Now, uh, the Bible says that in uh, the latter days, some will have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And Paul said, from such turn away. Well, we want to be careful. We're not so many churches that are supposed to be powerful, full of the Holy Spirit, don't give God an opportunity to display his power because they just have a sermon, excuse me, and they just have a sermon and then they close out the service and dismiss everybody and say, see you next week. And and nobody prays for anybody to be healed. That's a tragedy. We're not giving God an opportunity to display his power, so it's a form of denying his power. We're denying him an opportunity. Now, a lot of people probably, a lot of pastors probably don't want to pray for people because they're not confident that that uh, that anybody will be healed. Maybe they don't want to look bad, but here's my thing. I'm not afraid to pray for people, and I know this, the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus. If I pray for people in the name of Jesus, there might be anointing going to him, there might not be, but that's not going to change the Holy Spirit. He is going to want to glorify Jesus. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Well, all the gifts of the Spirit belong to Jesus, and He's the Holy Spirit's going to take them and make them known to us uh, so that we operate in them. People are blessed and healed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to bring glory to Jesus. Now, no matter how great your anointing is, remember, one time God spoke to me and said, I'm not impressed with your anointing. Well, he didn't. 
He just spoke it. Matter of fact, I'm not impressed with your anointing. And I don't believe he ever would be, no matter how great it would be. So don't you get impressed with your anointing. You can be thankful for it. But don't get to thinking that it's there because you're so special and, and, and all that kind of stuff. God will be impressed with your faithfulness. He'll be impressed if you do secret little acts of kindness to people. And uh, if you're walking in humility, that kind of thing will impress him. But just because you have a bunch of power, it's his power. So he's not going to be impressed with you. And And that's a safeguard to remember that. Now, remember, Jesus used a little boy's lunch to feed 5,000 men plus all the women and children. But that little lunch couldn't say, you know what, other fish, I was two fish and five loaves, but I was an exceptionally good fish and exceptionally loaves of bread. It was because of me that Jesus was able to feed so many. No, the little lunch would have known it was just like any other lunch. It's just the blessings of Jesus went on it and Jesus broke it. And that's what you want to think of yourself as I'm like that little lunch. If Jesus gets a hold of me, he can use me to do great things, right? But it ain't going to be because I'm great. It's going to be because he's great. Now say a good amen to that. And, and therefore, give your life to him like the little boy gave his lunch to Jesus. Give your life to him and don't doubt that you could be used to do wonderful, miraculous stuff. But just think, well, it won't be me. It'll be the glory of God. It'll be the Holy Spirit seeking glory for Jesus. Now, my eighth point, there are various streams of healing. So if your miracle isn't in one stream, don't uh, don't say that, well, God must not want to do it. Uh, it now, for instance, one time I was itching really badly. I was itching all over my body and I was rebuking the devil, binding the devil, trying to ask for healing, trying to believe I was healed. Nothing worked. So I went to a doctor and he said, what kind of soap are you using? I told him and he said, well, that brand of soap is very harsh on the skin. You need to switch to this kind of soap. I did and all the itching went away. Now, in other words, my, my little healing there was in the stream of knowledge. It's just that we got to be careful of man's knowledge and check it out with the Lord. There are certain medicines that my doctor would put me on, but I refuse to take them. And 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 I'm 71, and he said you're one of you're my only patient. He said that's not on prescription drugs. Well, I think a lot of times we're we're letting the medical people give us their knowledge, but check it out with God because uh, he's got knowledge that will heal you. What to eat, what not to eat, etc., etc. Ask him to be your nutrition teacher. Now, wisdom is a stream of healing. And in God's wisdom, he taught me how to rightly divide my time in the different priority areas of life because I was so stressed in the ministry. The ministry is an unending ocean of human need. And, and, and if you just don't know... Now, the Lord taught me this verse, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word rule can mean umpire. And so the peace of God is supposed to give you signals in your heart as to what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. So if I'm working too much and the peace lifts, then I know I'm supposed to knock it off and go spend time with the family. If I'm spending too much time with the family and the peace lifts, I know I better get back to work. And so uh, this is a great stress reliever because I used to feel guilty if I took any time off for the family 
at all, then I felt guilty. Well, it wasn't real guilt. It was the false guilt that comes from the devil. And so the the right priorities are going to take so much stress off of you that you're going to get a whole lot of healing and, and, and miss a whole lot of sicknesses. That's why I'm telling you wisdom is a healing stream. God's wisdom will help you in the priority areas of life. And if you could spend the right amount of time in each area, then stress will just drain off of you like snow off of a, a ski lodge pointed roof. Discipline is a stream of healing. How many of you know that we could know what to eat, what not to eat, and we should know we should exercise, but then if we don't have the discipline, uh, we won't do what we're supposed to do. Now, the Bible says no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So I always say that priority area number two ought to be your health, because if you're dead, you can't serve anybody. And uh, love your body you know, care for your body like Christ cares for the church. Say that out loud. Care for your body like Christ cares for the church. Now, love is a healing stream because love conquers anger, bitterness, rage, hatred, self-pity, sorrow, and all the negative emotions that can tear up your health. They're all solved by love. Now, here's my closing. I want to tell you what we know for sure. Number one, the price of healing and health was paid for by Jesus at the whipping post where a great deal of his blood was shed and by his stripes we are healed. You know, and then, of course, he rose from the dead. Now, secondly, we know that God is good and he delights in helping us and answers, answering our cries for help. In 1996, I went, I was it was my 15th year of pastoring this church that I started and there was a massive church split and slander attack that lasted seven months. At the end of that year, I became an evangelist and I fasted three days to prepare for the meetings and that threw my heart out of rhythm. All the stress I'd been through for months and that fasting, now my heart skipped uh, constantly for the next 19 months. It would never beat 100 beats. And so, you know, I was praying for healing and I uh, stood on the verse, seek and you shall find. I asked God for something natural that would bring my heart into rhythm. I found the juice of the noni plant, N-O-N-I, that grows in Polynesia, a dark, bitter, uh, high antioxidant juice that can be very healing for all kinds of things. Well, when I was moving out of town, I had a bottle of that in the moving truck. But I, I remembered a scripture that Jesus said, if, if they won't receive you or hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. And it occurred to me, well, I wonder why he said that. Maybe I ought to do that. And I didn't do it out of anger, but I pulled the truck over and I got out. I took off my shoes and they were clean for that matter. I didn't have mud all over them, but I banged them together to get any dust off just because Jesus said to do that. Now, the next three days, I drank that 32-ounce bottle of noni juice to keep it from spoiling in the moving truck. And when I got out to Chehalis, Washington, my heart was healed. I don't know to this day if it was the noni juice or the some miraculous relief from stress that came from my let it all go or put it behind me, uh, dusting the dust off of your shoes as a way of letting it go. It's God's business. He'll judge if he wants to, and I'm leaving it behind. Anyway, God had an answer. That's my point. God was good. God had an answer. God is good. That's the second thing. We know the first thing, Jesus paid the price for our health and healing. Secondly, God is good. 
Now, thirdly, we know that God loves to help us with root causes. So if you have a, any persistent, strong, negative emotion, you, you, you want to ask the Lord to help you with that because God wants to go for the root. Now, the fourth, fourth thing is that God's power is capable of any miracle recreating organs and body parts. And I learned this fairly recently that no new energy can be added to the universe. It can only be converted from one form to the other. And this is the law of thermodynamics. So whatever energy is in this universe, that's all there is. But when God injects energy from heaven, when the Holy Spirit's energy flows through your arms and hands into people, that's not coming from this creation. And so it's immediately miraculous and immediately all things are possible because it's triumphing immediately over every natural law. It's energy from outside this solar system. <laughs> and it uh, creates miracles. Wow, it creates miracles. Praise God. Now, number five, we know the Holy Spirit loves to glorify the name of Jesus, right? And we know that it's his glory to help and love people. So desire to receive a healing for his glory so you can serve him longer with more strength and vitality. And then when you minister to people uh, for healing, just know, just be confident. See, you might think, oh, I'm afraid to go into a healing service. What if it doesn't happen? What if I'm not spiritual enough? Say, say, shut up, you lying devil. The Holy Spirit loves to glorify the name of Jesus. I'm going to give him an opportunity. I'm going to pray for people in Jesus' name and believe that the Holy Spirit will love to glorify the name of Jesus. And number six, we know these signs follow believers. And when we pray in Jesus' name, that's the Holy Spirit confirming that Jesus is God in human form, that he died for our sins and that he is alive, that he rose from the dead. And that's why they, these signs follow those who believe. That's the Holy Spirit confirming that. Now, the seventh thing, we know that God loves it when we believe his promises. When we believe that he's good and that he's powerful and that he's willing. And so in Hebrews 11, it says, you know, the heroes of faith chapter, it says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, and it goes on, but the part I'm emphasizing is, by faith they obtained promises. Now let's not let the promises go to waste. See, God wants to give us healings, blessings, anointings, and remember, these are I love you healings. <laughs> All right? What a wonderful thing. And then I'll close with this. Over the years, you know, since 1991, I, I would often feel a f tangible fire in my hands. But when I go to pray for people, sometimes I don't feel nothing or anything, I should say. And uh, my hands are just normal hands. And so then I'll say, let's pray. And, let's, and then I just start worshiping God. Oh, Lord, we love you. We know that you love to glorify Jesus, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit and Father, we just know that it is your glory to help people. And we're just so thankful and grateful. And as I worship God like that, I'll feel the anointing literally turn up in my hands as if a burner is turned up on the stove. And so I, I want you to know that because I believe, excuse me, that God will use you to do very similar things. Now, we all have different gifts. I know that. But God wants to use his people. And when it says these signs will follow those that believe, see, that's. 
you're going to be used in some measure in healing every single one of you that name the name of Christ. And God wants to do these things through for us, but also through us. Well, let's pray. Now, let's pray that God will heal you and glorify Jesus. All right. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. There's people that are listening to this message that have something wrong in their body. If it has a root uh, of some negative emotion, we pray that your Holy Spirit will talk to them right now, that they'll repent of that and decide they don't want that negative emotion, that they'd rather have one of your very positive emotions like love. And then we pray that the peace of God will flood into their body and the joy of the Lord and the love of God and that you'll just uh, wash away any old negative root in the name of Jesus. We pray that you'll give them wisdom to rightly order their priorities, knowledge to know what to eat, what not to eat, what medicine to take, what medicine to avoid. We pray you'll give us discipline that we might uh, exercise and, uh, and, and this live a disciplined life uh, because we know there's healing in that. And then, Father, we pray you'll miraculously glorify the name of Jesus by letting power come from your throne outside of this natural creation. Let it come from your kingdom, from your throne, the power to do the miraculous and do it in Jesus' wonderful name and perform all these wonderful signs and wonders to glorify the name of Jesus right now. Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus. And Father, we vow to give you all the glory. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, I pray, Father, that you'll use my dear friends, not only get them healed, but use them to bring you massive glory. That's our desire, and we want to love people and serve people and pray for them and give you an opportunity to glorify the name of Jesus. Use us all, we pray. Now let's say his name together. In Jesus' name. Well, I love each one of you. God bless you. If you would like to partner with us at Encouragement Expert, please email us at pastorbacker at gmail.com. Or you can write P.O. Box 485, Cresswell, Oregon 97426.